0: The Women's Health Project is produced on Gadigal land as well as other parts of Australia. In the spirit of reconciliation, Women's Agenda acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and future and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: Uh, let me say something on behalf of all of those in Parliament and all of those who have been responsible for our medical system. I apologise. This condition should have been acknowledged at an earlier time in a more powerful way and will never be forgotten again. I think that
0: that is. Yeah. Strong... That there is Minister for Health Greg Hunt apologising to the around one in ten women who suffer from endometriosis. Those words marked a major turning point in Australia. He was speaking in December 2017 at an endoactive event surrounded by a number of advocacy groups and endo-warriors in the room. Endo-warriors. That's a term advocacy groups often apply to those with endometriosis to highlight their resilience, to move beyond their identity as a sufferer and offer a term describing how they're fighting back. Because for so many with endometriosis, the fight is necessary every day. It's not just about living with the pain, but so much more. It's trying to work and have a life and career around that pain and the expectations of others who don't live with and can't understand that pain. It's the unpredictability of the pain. It's living and working around medical appointments, surgeries and recovery times. And it's the financial fight, not just around paying medical bills, but also in pursuing sustained work and careers around these battles. My name is Angela Priestley and this is the Women's Health Project, a special podcast series created by Women's Agenda and supported by Organon, the recently launched pharmaceutical company dedicated to a better and healthier everyday for every woman. And today we're talking about endometriosis, how far we've come and the very long way that we have to go. Thank you for listening. This podcast discusses how women's health has been sidelined and dismissed, and endometriosis is such a clear example of this. So much so that as we heard, the Minister for Health apologised to sufferers for failing to acknowledge the disease for so long. It takes an average six and a half years for someone to be diagnosed with endometriosis, and that is actually an improvement. It's down from an average seven to 12 years a decade ago. In fact, just being aware of endometriosis is huge and significant progress. It wasn't so much that women suffered in silence in the past, but rather that they just suffered, with no real answers or explanations for what was going on, Worse, they were often told to toughen up and get resilient. To understand that periods are just painful, just deal with it. So what is endometriosis? It's a condition that comes from the endometrium-like tissue, like the lining of the uterus occurring outside the uterus. This tissue can build up and grow across the ovaries, into the pelvis and abdomen, and can even go further into the bladder, intestines and more. It can cause significant pain and unbearable cramping, heavy bleeding, painful bowel movements, pain during sexual intercourse, among many other things. There is no cure. The tissue can be removed through surgery, but it can also grow back. And yet it wasn't so long ago that endometriosis got pretty much zero national attention, even as far back as five or ten years ago. Indeed, four years ago, when Greg Hunt gave that speech and launched a national action plan to improve research efforts, treatment, diagnosis and more, endometriosis was barely receiving any funding or even much media attention. Back then, it got just 5% of what the funding that diabetes was receiving through the National Health and Medical Research Council, despite the massive cost to the quality of life those with endometriosis face, as well as the broader cost to the economy. Ten years ago, Donna, Chicha, and Jody West made a commitment to change that, forming Endometriosis Australia. I asked Donna about her own diagnosis and her why behind dedicating her life and career to this work.
2: I was diagnosed with endometriosis like so many other people around the country, but in my time, no one talked about endometriosis, no one had even heard of it, so you were forever explaining what it was, and I know that still occurs, but I was diagnosed at 31 and my first symptoms were 16. So. It's a long time and I just thought no one's doing anything. But it was always just said to us that we were being hypochondriacs, that it was just period pain, you just need to harden up, you're not resilient. And so I think it's a traditional thing women tend to do is we see a problem and we go about trying to fix it. We started Endometriosis Australia, will be 10 years next year. Had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, I've gone on the motto of fake it till you make it because you just have to learn as you go. Luckily, Jody was on board with me and she was also a patient. So we both had that understanding of what the patient experience is. And then we also had Dennis Robertson, who had worked within setting up charities, so we had support in that way. And then we had Professor Jason Abbott, who had the medical and clinical knowledge of endometriosis. So without all parts, we wouldn't have been able to um, be where we are today.
0: Endometriosis Australia has provided essential work in getting the issue heard, in seeing endo-warriors sharing their stories and how the disease has impacted them, and leading calls for working with others to campaign for more funding for research. Donna says that part of their success, along with the success of other groups working to raise more attention, has been through the work of ambassadors, especially well-known women with large social media profiles who can share their experiences.
3: Wait, let's start over because I'm chewing. Okay. Okay, ready? hmm Okay. Um, so it's the morning after my surgery for endometriosis and my uterus is out. The doctor found babe. the doctor found 30 um, spots of endometriosis that you removed. You removed my appendix because the endometriosis had attacked it. There was a lot, a lot of blood in my uterus. Uh, And I'm, you know, sore. uh, And I have some like gas pains. But other than that, I already feel that my energy.
0: That is comedian and actor Amy Schumer playing herself. She's in a hospital bed recovering from surgery after having her uterus removed. She shared the video on Instagram to her 11 million followers with the caption If you have really painful periods, you may have endometriosis. It got, as you may expect, some pretty major attention, and has no doubt done a lot for this cause. It shouldn't take ambassadors like Schumer, as well as those in Australia like Emma Watkins, also known as the Yellow Wiggle, and PJ Madam supporting Endometrius Australia by sharing their own stories. But these voices see stories getting widespread media attention, stories that can link into the experiences and concerns of what others might be going through, particularly those who may have no idea that the pain they have may actually be linked to a chronic illness with a name and potential for treatment. Because as we know, it took well into the 2000s to get this issue heard. I asked Shivani Gopal, a well-known entrepreneur and new mother who also recently underwent surgery for endometriosis and has publicly spoken out about it, why she believes it's been so hard to get this issue on the agenda. On it because the pain is so normalised for women. Because of that, we are taught to
2: almost just grin and bear it, you know, and to be resilient and to just push on. And we do that at our own peril. And we do that with our diagnosis, you know, being pushed and kicked down the road, you know, years and years down the track, which is exactly what happened to me. And as a result, it was really hard for me to get pregnant. And as a result, I was in a hell of a lot of pain for all of my adult life.
0: Pain that's normalised. I've heard that expression a lot when speaking with people for this series. Donna goes a little further when asked why this area has been ignored for so long. She speaks about the reproductive role in life women are seen to have and how that's seen women's wellbeing and quality of life often overlooked.
2: Oh, I'm going to come again across as an older woman who's ready to speak their mind. But I think we have always, and maybe it's been highlighted recently, that women are are given a role in life. So their wellbeing and care doesn't seem to matter, but being, and I saw this quote once on Twitter and I thought it was great, uh, baby vending machines. So, we have a purpose of reproduction, but what our life is like and what our lived experience is like and what our quality of life is like doesn't seem to really have the same cut through. I got asked a question what would you prefer to be, you know, to have full fertility or to be able to be pain free? And I said, why is it either or? Why can't we have both? You heal the woman or those that identify as gender diverse, you heal them, you heal the person, you get it back tenfold.
0: Endometriosis goes so much further than the disease, so much further than the pain, which should be hard enough. Endometriosis impacts every part of a sufferer's life, which again takes us back to the idea of the endo-warrior. Endometriosis Australia has recently shared research finding that 1 in 6 sufferers have lost jobs due to endometriosis, 1 in 3 have been passed over for promotion, and 7 in 10 have taken unpaid time off work to manage their endo. Donna told me they see these issues all the time in the discussions online women losing jobs or having their jobs threatened. She said she also sees a lot of questions from people asking, what kind of job or career can I have when I have endometriosis? All of this paints a pretty bleak picture. But there have been positive developments in this space. We have come a long way in just a few short years, even during the course of the pandemic. There are more women speaking out and sharing their stories. We've published multiple accounts on women's agenda. There is this national action plan. There are the clinical guidelines issued by RANSCOG delivered to GPs across the country so they can help understand this disease and often offer women a clinical pathway. And there has been some limited investment in research and other programs. Donna is pleased, but she says there is always room for more, a lot more. Look, any investment
2: in endometriosis is absolutely welcomed because before we started on our journey for the National Action Plan, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. So we have come a long way. Is there still more to go? Absolutely. You know. And research is key. We don't know what causes it. We don't know how to prevent it. We don't know how to cure it. We have no early detection test. There's a whole heap of gaps that we need to fill. And so research is vital and investment in research is vital can we do better? We can always do better. And do we need more? We need a bucket load. When you think that there's 830,000 people in Australia suffering from endometriosis, that's not a small amount. That's huge. Australia is actually leading the way in a lot of areas. And we were the first country to have a national action plan or, you know, policy um, about endometriosis so we are ahead um, and our research is really quite groundbreaking we are
0: leading. The- Dr Talat Apol is a gynaecologist and the founder of Women's Health Road an innovative clinical health service based in Sydney which we're going to hear more about later on in this series She says there's so much work to do, but she feels there has been somewhat of a revolution in endometriosis. And having worked in this space for decades, she's also personally seen a shift in younger women
4: seeking answers. I mean, I'm sure there's still room for us to do better as clinicians and for us, for women to feel more confident to reach out for the help. But truly, I feel that we can actually see visibly the benefits of the highlighting and raising awareness. And as you know, Angela, first of all, the national plan that was created created a couple of years ago, which focused on three pillars, the actual awareness and education and also the clinical context. So if the more you try to standardize clinical care, it makes it easier, especially when we're thinking of women in rural areas or more vulnerable women, perhaps that don't speak, you know, English or may not be able to access those resources. So I think that standardizing clinical care has been very sensible. And then research. So it's so important that we see that research is being valued because how do we do better until we actually explore in that area to see what works best for women? Because endometriosis is a space where, you know, yes, there are lifestyle things that can benefit and then there are medical and hormonal and non-hormonal, you know, pain related aspects. And then obviously there's the value of surgery. So it is a complex space, isn't it? endometriosis is is linked to subfertility. So we know that up to one in three women who have endometriosis may have some degree of fertility compromise. And then we also know that it's related with sexual function. So because women can obviously feel pain during sex, that might be something that, you know, they actually, it can again affect their quality of life in that axis. Then of course, the misery of pain, nobody wants to be in pain, whether they're period related pain or pelvic Related pain. So, what I am finding anecdotally is that quite a number of young girls are seeking help and they're either coming alone or they're coming with their mothers. But I'm always impressed when I think, oh, that's great. Like she's only, you know, 17 or she's only 19. And I'm so delighted that she's here. And it doesn't mean that obviously everyone has to be whisked off for surgery, but at least she has sought care. Early, And we know that seeking care early will allow us time to offer her all the options and basically hopefully change her trajectory to some degree, because we know that very advanced endometriosis is far from ideal when, you know, there can be significant scarring internally, that can worsen the symptoms and there can be significant compromises I mentioned earlier. So I feel, Angela, my reflection has been that they're seeking care more early and they are more proactive in their approach like they do want to know and because i think young women now are so empowered in terms of the digital technology so i feel that that national endometriosis australia website has been helpful jane hills has provided quite a few resources our college ranskog has put out a rate um, program which has identified a way that the woman can actually kind of almost quantify some of the things that she's having or at least identify what are the main factors in her clinical journey. Another positive development in this
0: space has been the cross-party action that occurred at the federal level including the Friends of Endometriosis Awareness that helped bolster that apology from Greg Hunt and drive the action plan. Just as we were researching this episode a parliamentary Friends of Women's Health Group was launched in New South Wales. With cross-party collaboration from Chair Emma Hurst from the Animal Justice Party, Catherine Cusack from the Liberal Party, Penny Sharp from the Labor Party and Abigail Boyd from the Greens. Their early focus will be to address endometriosis. I asked this group's chair, Emma Hurst, who has personally suffered from endometriosis, what this action is all about.
1: That we want to make sure that whoever is in government that this is an issue that's been taken seriously and that Government is making sure that there's enough funding into research that where there needs to be legislative change that that is actually happening because I think it's just been overlooked for far too long.
0: Emma says she was one of the lucky ones. She received an early diagnosis. She also counts herself lucky as being able to have health insurance, which helped cover some of the procedures she's had associated with diagnosis and treatment. But still, she says at one point she had to fight her healthcare provider. And really, she wants more of what women need in this space to be funded by Medicare so they're not left out of pocket. Despite Medicare being a federal issue, Emma believes these state-based discussions are still vital.
1: My radiologist actually told me that If somebody goes away on holidays, a skiing holiday, breaks their leg, they can get all the scans that they need. But a woman that's suffering in pain can't necessarily afford, and certainly for me, before I was an I wouldn't have been able to afford a $500 scan just to get a diagnosis. So what happens if you can't afford $500 out of pocket to get that scan? And so, you know, this is a really big issue, and I think that we need to start reviewing you know, where Medicare sits on women health issues. I had to have several scans. There was a Medicare rebate, but yeah, you're still looking at, I know the first scan that I got didn't pick up the endometriosis. So I had to go and get an internal scan, which was more precise around endometriosis and that did pick it up. Um, But Medicare certainly didn't cover the cost of that. I've got private health cover, but that didn't cover it either. And then of course, if you're wanting to treat the endometriosis like I did, you know, I found that medications, you know, weren't cutting it. They did it first and then and then they stopped working. Um, but even when you're medicating, I mean, I was on two different forms of medication and, you know, they're expensive as well. You know, you're still looking at hundreds of dollars a year just in medications. And then I decided to go for the laparoscopy. And I'm lucky again, I had private health cover, but... For anybody that doesn't, it just becomes this big dead end and it means that women are are suffering or they're living on painkillers and that's just completely unacceptable.
0: It's taken far too long to get to where we are now on endometriosis given the impact it's had and is having on so many lives, on the lives of the one in ten. But there is cause for optimism. Finally, endometriosis is getting attention. It's getting cross-party acknowledgement at state and federal levels. It's getting funding into research. It's getting celebrities and personalities speaking up about their experiences. It's getting more attention at the GP level, with GPs now issued guidelines on identifying endometriosis to create that vital clinical pathway for patients, or more simply to just refer them somewhere else. I want to end with some comments from former Labor Minister Gay Brodman, who took to the parliamentary floor to share the experiences of endo women in what was a very powerful speech.
1: We now have finally, Deputy Speaker, we now finally have the leaders of our nation talking about endometriosis about the one in ten. And I want to thank the Minister for Health for his apology last year, which acknowledged that these women had been ignored for too long that finally these women who have been so, so frightened, so, so voiceless, so, so powerless, were not on their own. At last, we have begun the conversation on endometriosis and the one in 10. We now have to make that conversation louder. We now have to make that conversation broader. We
0: now have to make that conversation...